Proverbs chapter 24 and verse number 21. My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. And meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall arise suddenly. And who knoweth the ruin of them both? My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. And meddle not with them that are given to change. For their calamity shall rise suddenly. And who knoweth the ruin of them both? God be my helper today. I want to talk to you on the subject of five things that God's not changed his mind about. Five things that God has not changed his mind about. But first let's pray. Father, I love you this morning. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for your tenderness and allow us even to be here today. God, there's souls that stand waiting in the balance this morning. And Lord, I want to ask you humbly. God, I know what you put on my heart. I know what you've shown me and what you've spoken to me. God, I want to ask you in Jesus' name, Lord, would you shut the mouths of the devils? Lord, would you loose the power of the Holy Spirit of God? Lord, would you loose old time Holy Ghost conviction? God, I want to ask you to seize hearts today in the power of conviction. God, I ask you for sinners that stand in this building this morning. God, would you put the power of old time Holy Ghost conviction on their hearts in so much. God, they'll tremble and they'll shake and they'll quake in their shoes today. God, I pray that you'd cause them to be dry in their throat and their tongue to cleave to the roof of their mouth. God, I pray the fear of a holy God would seize upon them. and God, you'd let them see themselves lost and on their way to hell. God, I pray you'd let them feel that nauseating feeling in the pit of their stomach this morning. God, I pray you'd let them feel, God, like their legs have turned to rubber. and God, they don't know which way to run, don't know which way to turn, and don't know what to do. God, when you've let them soak in that conviction, God, would you show them the bleeding, dying Son of God. Let them see Jesus high and lifted up and God willing and ready to save their soul. God, would you move, Lord, like you've not moved in days gone by? Would you move like you've not moved in our presence and our sin, Lord? God, would you do something special for the glory of the Holy God in Jesus' name? My son, fear thou the Lord and the king. That word fear there doesn't mean to be afraid of in the natural sense that we know it, but the word fear means to reverence. There's been a time in days gone by that people had a natural fear of God, but in the day and age that we live in, individuals know very little about the natural fear of God. Do you know that? There's people who stand up and cuss God, make fun of God. Make fun of the church, make fun of the preaching of the word of God, make fun of old time religion. Laugh and slap one another on the back and they have no real fear of God. There was a time in this land that the fear of God was on the land, you know that? I mean, even old drunks wouldn't come around the church, even old drunks wouldn't make fun of the church. I'm going to tell you what, we've come a long ways today. There's been a lot of change in our land, there's been a lot of change in our community. The Word of God said to fear God and to fear the King. That has to do with authority. We live in a day and age where we've raised young people, we've raised a young generation that know absolutely nothing about the fear of God and know nothing about the fear of authority. I mean, they look at police officers and deputy sheriffs and judges and things of that nature. 
They curse, they deride, and they know nothing about the respect for that office. I'm going to tell you what, uh, there's some things I don't like about a lot of our society, but buddy, I've got a respect for our men and women in law enforcement. I've got respect. Listen, I see somebody in a military uniform, Brother Sam, I've got a respect for our military, buddy. But I believe you better, I believe you better stand back and leave them alone. Don't put your tongue on things that God's ordained, buddy. You better have some respect. See, we've lost respect. I mean, folks will come into church and, and all they want to talk about is chicken jokes and, and uh, that old Baptist preacher, greasy chin chicken eater. There's a time in our land where people have been afraid to say something about a man of God. I believe part of the problem is we got a lot of hirelings in our pulpits today and they don't know God and don't walk with God. But I don't know what you think of me this morning. That's between you and God. But buddy, if you even think there's a chance that I'm God's man, you better leave your tongue off of God's man. Hey, listen, you, hey, listen. We, we've had so much foolishness. We've had so much ungodliness. But I'm going to tell you what God will take care of his man. If God's got a prophet and God's got a man in the church, leave your tongue off of him. Don't be pointing your finger at him. you pick your nose with your elbow. Amen. But I've been in church. I've seen it. I've seen it in my lifetime. I've walked with men of God that were God's chosen men. One in particular, and I'm not here to magnify him, but he was in a church service. One of the deacons rose up against him in a deacon's meet, went downstairs. The man of God had tried to be humble and tried to be tender and tried to be right. One of those deacons got crossways and stood up and began to rebuke the man of God. Brother Sam in the Sunday school room downstairs in the church, that deacon stood up to rebuke the preacher and fell out in the floor and died in front of all of them. The state of West Virginia, we'd had revival meetings in some of those cities. This particular man of God had preached and a deacon in that church got crossways and got mad at the preacher and got mad at the evangelist friend of mine and began to rebuke and began to stomp and snort and spout off about what he'd do and walked out of the church and had a heart attack. But see, we've not seen much of that because there's not been much of God on the land. And we've not had a lot of men of God that God had His anointing hand on. And folks have lost respect. God said there's some things you need to respect. I don't demand respect of you. I don't demand that of you, Brother Edge. I don't demand that. But I'd sure like you to have enough good common sense to know that there's some things you need to respect. Hey, listen, there's men of God, and when you see me address them, I don't call them by their first name. Uh, if I don't say nothing but preacher, how you doing, preacher? How you doing, brother? And that's because in my heart there's been a respect that's been instilled. And there's been some of those men I've traveled with and stayed in motel rooms with and drove up and down the highways with, and we're buddies and we're tight and we're friends. But I still respect them, call them preacher. Because they're the man of God, but we've lost respect. See, there's some things that's changed in America. And the Word of God said not to meddle with them that are given change. And there's some good changes. I thank God that we still ain't got them two little old bitty houses out here off the side of the bank. We have to go to the Johnny house out here. I thank God there's some changes that are good. That's not what God's talking about. He's talking about a change in the attitude of people in fearing God and fearing and respecting authorities and civil authorities, our social authorities that we have. 
we've lost respect in our country. The world's changing all around us. You know that. There's things which our community used to be several years ago. I, it was hard to find a good place to go eat. Y'all remember you have to go out of town to go to a fish camp. But there's places on every corner. I mean, every little dark dive and hole in the wall you can go into. Somebody set up a sandwich shop or a steakhouse or some kind of place to eat. There's things changed in our community. Ain't got to go far to go to Bojangles. It changes. I'm just talking about it's we live in a day when things have changed. I'll... Noticed the other day, I was down at the hospital down at Winston, went in to visit, and uh, came back out and in that big waiting room out there at Forsyth Hospital. I don't guess you call it a waiting room. I don't know what you call it, just a great big open area. And I looked out there, and uh, I remember a time in my lifetime that uh, didn't every house that you go to have a telephone in it. Y'all, a whole lot of y'all remember that. I walked out there in that big area in that hospital and everybody in every seat and every corner was standing around talking on a cell phone. We live in an age where things have changed. Things are very different than the way they used to be. Let me tell you what's come along with that change. People's attitudes have changed. Their hearts have changed. Their minds have changed. And folks have somehow got the idea that because so much has changed around them and because they have changed so much, folks have got the idea that surely God has changed with the times. And even in our so-called Baptist churches all across this land, they begin to change. There's a lot of changes that's took place that I'm thankful for, but there's a whole lot of changes that... God warned about and God said not to be chasing after them that are given to these changes. I'm telling you that we're living in a day and age when things are changing all around us. Did you know that before you lay your head on your pillow tonight, your whole world can change? I was in Rollins, Wyoming. The family wanted to take us out for dinner after church service one night and we went out to dinner with that family and some other families of the church and we went to J.B.'s truck stop restaurant there in downtown Rollins and we had our meal brother Sam and we just had a wonderful time of fellowship just had a good time talking together and I love those folks and and they love me and we just had a good time together there was a little boy named Daniel 10 years old Daniel got the giggles at the table like a little 10 year old boy would do and we just he just had a ball that night brother Jim had a big time picking at him and we picked at him and and it was just a good time of family and fellowship and fun at the table that night. We got back to North Carolina and Brother Jim called on the telephone. He said, Preacher, he said, pray. He said, little Daniel in his bedroom with his brother. He said, something happened. There's a long story and we don't know all the details. But he said, me and Mike Newton has just left from over there at their house and said, we just cleaned little Daniel's brains up out of his bedroom floor. His brother, 16 years old with a 44 Magnum pistol, blowed his brother's brains out all over his bedroom. Hey, if you could go back to that night at that restaurant with that little 10-year-old boy giggling and laughing and cutting up and carrying on, and you would have thought things had never changed. Today, his mama's a basket case. His daddy's a basket case. His brother uh, needs to be in an insane asylum somewhere in that whole town. Changed. 
over the click of a trigger. Your life can change before you know what's happened. And before you know it, some of them will. Some of them will. We've been blessed. But there's going to come a day, I don't know who's going to be next, but there's going to come a day we're going to move this communion table out. They're going to roll another metal box down through here. I don't know who's going to be in it, and you don't either. But a change is all around us. Change is coming about. But I can tell you today, God's not changed His mind about some things. I'll give you five of them. We'll go home. Number one, God's not changed His mind about holiness. God's a holy God. But see, this world, this world has so reduced God to one of the boys, to one of the gang, to one you can tell little off-color jokes to. They've portrayed Jesus as some kind of an effeminate, long-haired, something or another, and I don't even know what they think He is. But I'm going to tell you what, God's a holy God today. Over in the book of Isaiah, chapter number 6, the prophet Isaiah said in the year that King Uzziah died, that he saw God high and lifted up. And he said there were seraphims. He said they had six wings. With twain they covered their face, and with twain they covered their feet, and with twain they did fly. Those seraphims were ashamed, Brother Sam, to even be seen in the presence of God. They took their wings and they covered their face. We got folks in this day and age that say that they're in the presence of God and worshiping God full of the Holy Ghost. They want to come in the church and get them a big rock and roll band. And our Baptist churches have gone this route today. There was dead, dry, and orthodox. Didn't know God, had no presence of God in them. And their young people started to leave and their old people started to die off. And they decided they needed to do something to kick a little juice into this thing. And it got them a praise band. Got them some rock and roll bands to come in and try to liven up the church services. And they'll swing and sway and swoo. And they'll get in there in their little mini skirts and their little outfits and too short on both ends and swing and sway around and say they're praising God. I'm going to tell you something. God's holy. It ain't God they're honoring when they do that mess. Y'all know God's holy, don't you? I'm going to tell you how holy God is. God is so holy that the only way that I could ever approach Him was with the blood of His only begotten Son. That's how holy God is. God hates sin so much that He had His own Son crucified, sped upon, made fun of, mocked and laughed at because of sin, because God's so holy. Do you know God called His people to be a holy people? And there's folks all over this nation say they're saved, born again in the Spirit of God, and they ain't got a clue what it means to be holy. You can watch me if you want to. You can follow me around, whatever you want. I'm going to mess up. I'm going to make mistakes. and I'm going to do things wrong, but God knows the heart. Holiness begins in the heart. I'll tell you something. I got the night I got born again. God changed my heart. God gave me a desire to be holy. If you don't have a desire to be holy, you ain't never been born again. God give me, a lot of people, a lot of lost folks say, Brother Mike, I want to do better. I have a desire to do better. But you know what else God gave me the night I got saved? God gave me the power to be holy. He gave me power over sin. 
There's some things in my life God changed the night I got born again. If you ain't holy, you're not going to see God. God's not changed His mind about that. I'll give you something else God's not changed His mind about. God's not changed His mind about hell. You don't hear that preached on very much anymore, but God's not changed His mind a bit. Do you know why there's a hell tonight? Because people won't be holy. They refuse to be holy. Now, I'm not talking about just straightening up and straightening out and changing some things. I'm talking about having the imputed righteousness of the Lord Jesus Christ applied to your heart and your life. God's not changed His mind about hell. You see, hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, we don't have a very good doctrinal view today of what hell is because we've had so many folks and we got old Hank Williams Jr., old Bo Cephas, and Willie Nelson and a bunch of these reprobates that sang on the radio. And that's one thing God changed when I got saved. I, I, didn't, I didn't found out when I got born again, I didn't need A.N. Eloise and WTQR no more. And that bunch of reprobates are singing about fornication and adultery, getting drunk and carrying on, and, and they'll get to singing. First thing you know, they'll be singing songs about hell and making fun. We live in a society that's made fun and hell's been a byword and a curse word so long that folks have lost the idea that there really is a place in the center of this earth today where men who die that are not holy go to. One of the things Miss Tanya would probably stand and testify to this today that we've lost, we've lost dying testimonies. You see, years ago, people used to go home to die. They didn't pump them up with morphine and all these mind-altering drugs that they do today. But people used to die without all that. And you'd know by what happened on their deathbed whether they were born again or not. My daddy was ready to die laying over here in this hospital emergency room. And, and my daddy knew he was dying several hours before he did. He told us some things and told us some things, some Last preparations, Brother Sam, he knew God was coming to get him that night. My daddy had a little baby sister that died 60 years to the day, the day he died. And my daddy laid in that little old room over there and he said, I've seen Herman and I've seen the baby. He was talking about Herman, his brother-in-law that already died and gone on. Laying over there in that hospital room that morning, that doctor looked at me and he knew my daddy was dying. He said, do you want me to give him something? you want me to give him something? I said, no, sir. As respectfully as I could, I looked at that doctor eyeball to eyeball. My wife was standing there holding my arm. I said, let my daddy go in peace. Amen. You don't have to worry about him kicking and screaming and falling off into hell. You let him go in peace. And my daddy closed his eyes and peacefully went to sleep on that little old gurney that morning. But I'm going to tell you what, there's so many that wouldn't if they wasn't shot up with all kinds of mind-altering drugs. I've got some friends over in Caldwell County that knew a precious man, and I'll not be too pointed. That man was dying of cancer, lost and undone without God. Just a few months ago, just up the road in Caldwell County, up Highway 268, that man in his underwear run by his wife in the house, and he said, stop them, stop them, please stop them. They're coming for me. They're coming to get me. Ran out and got in his pickup, started it up, threw it in reverse, robbed the gas, backed off into a gully, and went to hell with his eyes wide open. 
screaming for them to stop the devils that were coming to get him. Hey, listen, we've seen so many Steven Spielberg fantasies. We've seen so much Freddy Krueger and Nightmare on Elm Street and Jason and all that mess. We forgot there's a real hell. There's a real place that men and women go to. Blonde-haired girls and gray-haired grandmas that ain't holy go to hell when they die. Brother J. Harold Smith talked about one man in particular that he had gone to see. And he had talked to him about conviction, being under conviction. That man told him, no, he wasn't coming, he wasn't going to be saved. He said that man's wife called him and he went to that house and he said that man was laying in the bed. He said, when I pulled in the driveway, nobody would have had to have told me where he was. He said, I could hear that man all over the community yelling, please don't let him take me. Please don't let him take me. And he said, I got in the house and I said, said, friend, what in the world's wrong? What in the world's the matter? And he said, please don't let him. Can't you see Satan was coming up in the yard and he's got a chain and he's coming to take me. And he said he tried to calm him and try to give him the gospel and try to help him. And he said the more he tried to help him, the more erratic the man's actions become. And he began to scoot himself up in the bed and say, stop him, stop him. And he began to scoot himself in the bed. And he said he scooted himself up in the bed that he literally bored his head into the headboard and left his gray hairs on the headboard of his bed trying to get away. And he said for no apparent reason that man died with his eyes wide open. Folks go to hell if they've never been born again. And you can try to paint that and whitewash that and make that feel better or look better. But I'm going to tell you today that the Word of God says that hell was prepared for the devil and his angels. It's a place of torment, a place for souls. I know a preacher in another state was in the hospital. While he was there in the hospital, he said there was a precious elder, a gray-haired gentleman came out to him and said, Are you a preacher? He said, Yes, sir, I'm a man of God. What can I do for you? He said, My wife is in this little room over here. He said, Would you please... She's dying, she's got cancer, and she's dying. But would you please go into this little room over here and try to give my wife some comfort? He said, I can't stand it no more. He said, I can't stand it no more. He said, they give her everything they can give her. And she's still screaming, and she's still crying for me to pull her out of that fire. Would you please go in and talk to her? He said, I went in that room. He said, the nurses, you couldn't find a doctor. You couldn't find nobody. They couldn't stand it. They couldn't stand to be around her. They'd already taken her out of the ward she was in and put her in some little uh, dark place in the hall to get her away from everybody else. He said, I took her hand and she said, you're just like the rest of them. She said, preacher, don't let me go. Preacher, don't let me go. Preacher, don't let me. He said, ma'am, could you please, ma'am, please, could you please just listen? He said, I want to tell you the greatest story that's ever been told. I want to tell you about a Savior that loved you and died for you. He said, I began to try to give her the gospel and she, she went off into a coma type sleep. She got quiet and she got still. He said, I waited for a minute and all of a sudden she jumped straight up in the bed, eyes blurred and said, you're just like the rest of them. Don't let me go. And she died and went to hell with her eyes wide open, sitting up in the bed, screaming at that preacher. Don't let me go. 
Now, I'm not telling you what I'm telling you this morning to scare you. I'm telling you what I'm telling you this morning to illustrate to you God is still holy and He's not changed His mind about hell. We tend to think of the wicked, the depraved, child molesters and murderers and rapists screaming in a devil's hell. The Word of God teaches that there's no such thing as a second runner-up. There's no second place. Either you're born again and you go to be with the Lord Jesus, who is your Savior and your love. And if you're not born again, you go to hell when you die. Can you imagine laying in that hospital bed, sedated, struggling for that last breath, and a man or a woman, a grandmother, maybe a child, maybe a young person, a teenager, laying there and it don't matter how many Baptist preachers are in the hall praying. It don't matter how many of the family members are standing around weeping. It don't matter how many verses of amazing grace they sing as they begin to take their last breath. If a person's never been born of the Spirit of God, they take that last breath on this side. The breath they exhale will be in the smoky, charred walls of the damned. Uh People today say, Brother Mike, we in modern religion, we don't say that. We don't want to scare the children. We don't want to scare people. We don't want to offend anybody. God ain't changed His mind not one lick. God's not changed His mind not one bit. God's so holy. You say a holy God and never put a man in hell. Oh, see, that's the only kind of God that would. Because Brother Sam, he is so holy that no thing that defiles will ever come into his presence. Hell was not created for men. It was created for the devil and his angels. The Word of God says hell is a place of torments. The Word of God said hell is a place of weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth. Men will gnaw their tongues for pain. They'll scream. There's an idea, Brother Danny, this morning that in hell people are probably praying and probably crying out and asking God for forgiveness and asking God for salvation, but I'm afraid that's probably not really the biblical picture, Brother Sam. There's men in hell this morning that with every ounce of breath they can produce are cursing God. Cursing God for the day they were born. Cursing God for the day they heard the gospel. Cursing God for the day they turned their back on the church and the things of God. Cursing God for every time God ever gave them a message. Cursing God for every time the Holy Ghost ever came by and knocked on their heart's door. God's not changed His mind about hell. God's not changed His mind about how people get saved. But see, in the day we live in, in this modern society, in this modern religious change, and why we think we just need to come down, Brother Mike, we need to just invite them to come down and sign a card and join the church. Be baptized and they'll be all right, Brother Mike, if they'll just stand quietly in their pew and do this or do that or do some other thing. But I'll give you four or five things. We're going to go home in a minute, but you need to hear this today. God's burdened my heart. There's some ladies... 
there's some ladies in this church and God's dealt with you and God's dealt with you and God's going to deal with you one more time. God burned my heart yesterday that I nearly died studying and praying yesterday and last night. And I finally called my wife last night down to my study. And I said, honey, you're going to have to pray with me. There's somebody God's wanting to save in the service today. You need to pray with me. God's not changed his mind about how folks get born again. Number one, it takes the preaching of the word of God. Hey, listen to dead churches all across America. They'd rather do anything than preach the Bible. They'd rather play and have puppets and have all kinds of entertainment to woo people in and sway them to be members of the church, but they ain't going to preach. I may not be pretty and I might be snotty and I might not know much, but I'm going to do my best, Brother Danny, to preach. I'm going to tell you what the Word of God says, and then when you mess up, you're not going to blame Brother Mike. I'm going to tell you what the book says. It takes preaching. I'm not against a whole lot of There's some things that God can use, and I understand that. I'm not against handing out gospel tracts. God can use them. But God didn't choose the foolishness of tracts to save them that believe. I'm not against giving out Bibles. I think people need the Word of God. But it's not Bibles that get people saved. you know that? There was, a, there was an Ethiopian eunuch riding out through the desert one day. And a man of God, Philip, came up to him and, and he saw him reading the Bible. And he said, Understandest thou what thou readest? And that Ethiopian eunuch looked at him and said, How can I except some man should guide me? What man is he talking about? A preacher. It takes the preaching of the Word of God. Hey, listen, I, I love y'all and I care about you. There's things I'd like to do and I'd like to be so sweet and I'd like to be your buddy. I wish everybody in the building just loved me as much as I love you. And I'm natural. I'm normal. I wish you loved me as much as I love you. And some of you don't. But I didn't come here to be your buddy. Amen. I didn't come here to win a popularity contest. And the fact of the matter is, I didn't politic to come to this church. God the Holy Ghost put me here. Amen. And as long as I'm here, I'm going to do my best to tell you. Yes. You need to know some things about what right and what's wrong and it takes preaching to get saved it takes being under conviction to get saved there's folks that's experienced conviction there's folks if you be honest right now right this minute your hearts are pounding on the inside and there's something eating on you and you don't understand what it is but I tell you what they've done today in this modern society we've we've traded old time conviction for emotions we get folks in churches and we'll, we'll do some kind of a, a, a drama or something or another and show uh, some kind of pictures of somebody being drugged off into hell and get a bunch of young and scared. And I understand I'm not dumb and I'm not, I'm not being ugly. God can use dramas and God can use plays and all kinds of stuff. God can use literature and I'm not, I'm not limiting God and I'm not saying that that can't be used. But I'm telling you, this world has gone the way of emotions to sway people's emotions. I stood over here in the John A. Walker Center and listened to the most popular Southern Baptist evangelist in America try to move people to an altar. And he made two statements that were, as far as I was concerned, was heresy. One of the statements that he made was that if you did not pray the prayer right, you've never been saved. That's not Bible. That's not Scripture. Number two, he said, if you've ever doubted your salvation, you've never been saved. That's not Scripture. And I tell you, we've got men that are standing in pulpits today that do not understand Bible salvation. But it takes conviction. It still takes repentance, Brother Sam. 
people would rather reform. They'd rather have some kind of an outward remodel job than they would to really repent. But repentance is what gets worked in your heart that gets you to the place that you don't care who's looking. You don't care where you're at. You don't care what's going on. You don't care about your past. You don't care about nothing but getting some help. Getting to God. Ain't that right, Miss Drusilla? That's what repentance, God works that repentance in your heart. You'll be over here in the factory somewhere and you'll be slipped off in the bathroom down beside some old dirty commode praying and crying and whimpering, trying to get to God. Hey, listen, when God gets to work and repentance in you, you don't care who's around. Hey, listen, I know there's hypocrites in the church. I know there's hypocrite preachers that want to run off with your wife and your pocketbook. I know that. But I'm going to tell you what, I'd rather get saved and go to heaven than die and go to hell and be with that bunch of hypocrites. Amen. I understand that. I understand folks see a lot of stuff that ain't real. There's a lot of stuff this morning you can see and hear in Baptist churches up and down these roads and it's a bunch of foolishness and it ain't right. Right. I'm going to tell you what, God ain't changed His mind about what it takes to get saved. God ain't changed His mind about human responsibility. Do you know that? Over the book of Matthew chapter number 23, I believe it is, the Lord Jesus said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, thou that killest the prophets and stonest those that are sent to you. Jesus said, How oft would I have gathered you unto me as a chicken, a hen gathers her chickens under her wings. But ye would not. Human responsibility. Human responsibility says this. The Bible doctrine of human responsibility says when Jesus calls... You must answer. You say, Brother Mike, I'm not going to decide today. I'm not going to make a decision. What you don't understand is every time that you say, I'm not going to make a decision, that is a decision. That's the decision of no. I'll not deal with this now. I'll deal with this sometime later. No, I'm not ready to deal with this right now. I want to deal with this sometime later. No, that's a decision. No, you're saying no to a holy God. Human responsibility number five, and we're going home. God's not changed His mind about how much He loves you. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. My, how He loves somebody at Flint Hill Baptist Church. Several months ago on my front porch, Y'all didn't even know who I was, and most of you didn't care. God, the Holy Ghost, began to churn in my soul over this church. God, the Holy Ghost, began to work in my heart, in my wife's heart. God, the Holy Ghost, began to show me how much He loves somebody in this building, how much He cared, how much He wanted to help this community. God began to show me what He wants to do. God wants to move and God wants to work. Because He loves you and He cares about you. I've said some things hard to be heard this morning. I'm sick and I don't feel well. But God's broke me down like a double barrel shotgun the last two days because there's somebody. And I'm not playing some kind of stinking, silly little spiritual games with you. There's somebody in this building today, God the Holy Ghost assured me, that He's dealing with you and you need, you need to move. You need to take your responsibility God's give you to, 
to, to receive what God's got to heed His call. To step on your pride and get things right. You say, Brother Mike, how do I know if God's dealing with me? How do I know if I'm under conviction? If you're alive and breathing and in this building, you know whether or not you're under conviction. God's not such a simpleton that He can't get that message across to you. God's too holy and God's too wise to confuse you. I'm telling you this morning, I wouldn't care today what my past says and what your accolades are and what kind of titles are before your name. God the Holy Ghost has dealt with you. There's an old-fashioned, snot-slinging, slobbering, yelling Baptist preacher that stood this morning and told you you need to be born again of the Spirit of God. And if you don't, you're going to go to hell. And I see a lot of preachers, and it seems like they take pride, Miss Lord, telling somebody they're going to go to hell. I don't take any pleasure in that. I don't take any pleasure in the likes of a Jeffrey Dahmer or a John Wayne Gacy or some pervert. I don't take any I don't take any solace in those men falling off into hell. Jesus died for all. You don't have to go. He loves you. God commendeth his love towards us, and while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. He gave his life for an ungodly something other like me. As wicked and ungodly as I was. God loves you this morning. God cares about you. But what's going to make hell so hot is the love that Christ extended to man. And man said no. That's all right, Lord. I'll hang on to my religion. I'll hang on to my church membership. God, I'll hang on to my good deeds and I'll just be a good person. Hell's hot and eternity's a long time. There's a spirit of conviction in this building brought by the Holy Ghost. I want my wife to come. We're going to sing a verse or two of a song this morning. I want you to stay seated with your heads bowed and your eyes closed this morning. While we wait reverently, we're going to listen as Sister Lois sings a few verses You sit, and I want you to ponder this morning, God's not changed His mind about holiness. Brother Mike, I'm a church member. Are you holy? Brother Mike, I'm in a Sunday school. Are you holy? Brother Mike, I've been baptized. I'm asking you, are you holy? Have you had the righteousness of Jesus Christ imputed unto you in such a way that it changed your life? You've never been the same. Something holy lives within you and leads you and guides you. And you are holy because He's holy. Have you ever been changed? While we sit and while we wait, I won't play any kind of silly games. I'm going to sit down at the piano and I'm going to play. But if you've got any intention in your heart ever getting right with God, right now while heads are bowed and eyes are closed, people that know God are praying. This altar's open. You're invited. I'd bust my way out of that pew and I'd get in it. While Miss Lois sings, this altar's open this morning.